Vladimir Putin is beaten and broken and bruised and now he's on his way to Beijing. So what will he find there? I'm Aaron Young. Let's try to find out. Now from our headquarters at Ticker Park, this is Ticker Today. So Vladimir Putin is in a pretty rough shape at the moment after that failed mutiny held on Russian soil. Little progress to show in the war in Ukraine as well. Now he's scheduled to visit China the first time since before the invasion began. China has been the Kremlin's most important ally right throughout the past year. And a well half that I'm sure that Putin would have probably expected to have gone differently. So what could he expect from a meeting with the two leaders? What can we expect to see as well? For more, let's bring in David Zhang from China Insider. Great to see you. You're based in New York, obviously watching closely uh, for that relationship between President Putin and President Xi, because there seems to be almost a reliance between each other on each other at a time where it's pretty difficult. The stakes are high. Definitely. This visit is going to be highly anticipated as uh, we already know that this year is very important after the Prigozhin mutiny that uh, Xi, Putin would look for some sort of stability and support within Xi. I think the main factor here is how much is Xi continuing willing to give to Putin? And from the looks of it right now, it doesn't seem like there is a limit yet. Yeah, well, talk to us about the authority that Putin will be trying to put on display by visiting Beijing, because he has looked like he came off second best in a fistfight with Prigozhin. Um, Prigozhin obviously disappeared for quite some time afterwards. And one of the first calls that Putin made was to Xi Jinping, no doubt, to let him know we're still in charge here, we're still in control. What message do you think that he'll be trying to convey to the world on this trip to China? The international relationship between Russia and China are uh, as strong as possible as, as ever before, and, and it will continue to be. That's the core message. But also the fact that both countries rely on the strawman ruling uh, to, to keep the country intact. And so they want to engage and show each other that they have that facade of, of stability. And this is very important for, the, uh, uh, for Xi Jinping as well. So I do think that there's that. But also I think actuality, uh, they need arms, they need uh, not arms, but but things that would help with the military, like vests, uh, like ammunition, all of these. So I do think they're going to get some concrete supplies and uh, economic stuff from China as well. Given we've seen Henry Kissinger make his way to China and Janet Yellen, also Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and things seem to be moving in a better direction, at least they're talking. Do you think that Vladimir Putin might be having a bit of FOMO, fear of missing out here and just checking that Xi Jinping is still in his back pocket supporting his invasion of Ukraine? Yeah, that's that's been my kind of understanding is is every time that Xi Jinping seems like he's kicking Putin away, uh, Putin wants to go back and ensure that the relationship is as, you know, no limit as possible. And given what happened with Prigozhin, I think that it's an opportunity for Xi to level some sort of uh, 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 sort of like give give leverage on this relationship, especially seeing that Putin seems to now be the one that's that's the little one in in the bilateral relationship. So I think uh, Xi would have more bargaining chips in this time. David, what do we make of the timing of this? It's coming in a couple of months' time from now, but with President Putin making his way to China, is it something that he does regularly? He did it early last year, obviously, uh, and then he's done it again now, or he's about to do it now. What can we make of the timing? 
It is a reciprocity. It's a return of uh, the state visit, which she, of course, went to Russia earlier this year and told him there's unseen changes in centuries uh, to come. But the point is, since then, we've seen a lot of negatives happen with Russia, uh, with whether that's the uh, Ukraine offensive or with Prigozhin. So I do think that now is a good time for Xi and Putin to sit down and discuss where does this war go from here? Is it going to reach the point of attrition? And with an increasing support from NATO on the side of Ukraine, uh, is China, with its uh, really contracting the economy, willing to put up with the cost of continuing to supply Russia? And what does the two countries see as the most important so far? But I do think in the end, they're going to reach some agreement where Putin will convince Xi that he's so worth saving as the two countries go forward. Yeah, and it almost feels in a way that Putin is so reliant on President Xi. From Beijing's perspective, the reason they support Moscow is based on both pragmatism, but also it's convenient from a political standpoint too. In, you know, your enemy is my enemy, so therefore we are friends, the enemy being the United States. How much do you think that uh, may have changed during the Prigozhin uprising, where Beijing that does not like to be seen as weak, does not like to be seen as losing face, meeting with President Putin, who very much did appear weak in the international community's eyes and also certainly lost a lot of face. Yeah, I don't think the Chinese Communist Party would ever side with uh, Wagner on that particular case. Uh, the foreign ministry did come out, although they after to declare that they are still a strong supporter of Putin because same thing could actually happen inside China with one of the military general doing some similar things to Prigozhin. And I do think that uh, still China wants Russia to be a bargaining chips with the negotiations with the West because I know that Europe really wants China to be involved in trying to stop the war. Uh, I do think that aspect is still there. So I don't think that they've really got much out of China uh, yet, but they will continue to try that as the West. Uh, so I think the point is that they do see this as a good opportunity to meet again uh, between Putin and Xi. Now, we know that the West is putting pressure, particularly the United States on China, and China, as you've mentioned, really needs the West at the moment to try and kickstart its frailing economy, uh, which really took a, a, a backwards turn uh, in the aftermath of those lockdowns in China. But during the past year and a half, President Xi has been pretty supportive of his relationship with Putin, despite trying to be very gentle and very careful when it comes to the issue of Ukraine. What does Putin need and want from Xi Jinping when it comes to the issue of Ukraine? Because we've seen Putin rely on uh, India for some, um, not necessarily direct support, but then Iran for drones, Turkey as well, uh, Belarus, obviously. What does he want from China? Yeah, great question. And uh, according to a, a political report recently, I think, uh, I believe they're sending uh, things like armor vests, sending things like drones, and, and they're sending these so-called non-lethal aspects to Russia. I think Putin wants that to continue, but also the side of trading oil, uh, being able to evade Western sanctions, trading more in, in yuan uh, rather than the U.S. dollar. Uh, but they also want China to be a diplomatic uh, shield for some of the ra Russian actions because China, again, like I said, has that say in the UN, has that say or, or, or in engagements with what the Western countries, particularly in Europe. And I do think that there's also 
reciprocity here where Russia can send China uh, oil, send China natural resources, and potentially even food, which is something China really needs to secure right now. Um, so that's why I think the relationship is so key for Putin, especially after the, the mutiny, is that he might potentially also need an outside security force in times of instability, uh, potentially very soon. We've been hearing this term BRICS for quite some time now. Um, that is almost the alternate version of the G7. So countries like China and India and uh, South Africa and Korea and Brazil in there too. Uh, and that seems to be really stepping up. We've seen India um, asking and working pretty closely with Saudi Arabia, I think it was, to not have to buy oil uh, in US dollars. We've seen a lot of moves between Russia and China away from US dollars. Uh, what will be the impact, do you think, of that? And is that part of this visit between Xi and, and also Putin to essentially really build up what is becoming almost like an axis of evil? Yeah, I, I do think the other side is the One Belt, One Road initiative, which is what the Kremlin had cited as the reason to also visit for Putin this time in October. Uh, but I do think that from the Chinese perspective, they don't want to 100% rely on the BRICS, uh, partly because India in recent months have sort of swayed closer to the West, particularly the United States, with Modi visiting uh, the United States. And, and I do think they need to ensure that somehow there's a way uh, potentially make China the center, uh, which again, BRICS. Well, when it comes to the, the yuan versus the dollar, I just don't see how the Chinese economy currently is capable of taking over the full responsibility uh, compared to the US dollars. But the yuan has been used as sort of a local currency or a token chip in places like Russia, India, South uh, Africa, Saudi Arabia, when they're trading just between China and those countries. So there's that benefit for the Yuan still. David Jang from China Insider, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And that is a program for now. For more, you can head to tickernews.co. Find much more like this. I'm Aaron Young. See you soon.